Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, your host, the Mad Chatter, Ryan M.K., and once again, sitting in on this Mad Fantasy Tea Party, the man, the myth, the march, Aaron. Yeah, that's right. Aaron Stewart, thank you for joining once again, Aaron. Ryan, thank you for having me, man. I am mm-hmm. honored to be welcomed back to Dynasty Wonderland Part 2. Yes, I am honored to have you, my friend, and I hope you liked the March hair in yeah, little what I did there. Anyway, don't forget, you can find Mr. Aaron on the Twitter at AaronStew09AARon. That's right, the two A's. Now, got a little something before we dive into the fantasy free agency because there's a lot to get into. But I wanted to discuss a little bit of league etiquette. Some stuff I noticed on, on Twitter recently and not too long ago and just some things brought up. And, you know, there's a lot of people that get into this. Not everybody is going to be the greatest of people. There's going to be some shitty dudes. There's going to be some shitty women. I mean, we can't forget that. As women in the industry grow, there's bound to be some shitty ones, right? That's reasonable and logical. Now, when it comes to certain things, you want to make sure that basically you're not being shady. You're doing whatever you can to help the commissioner out. And let's be honest, in the first place, commissioners. If you're going to be in paid leagues, run paid leagues, please, please make sure that you're, you know, collecting all the fees before you actually start the draft. This is a big help. Then you don't run into situations where people are leaving drafts. And, you know, with some of the stuff related to Twitter, I don't know any of these people, any of these individuals. I don't know the story. I don't know what's true, what's not. I do know that as someone who runs many leagues, it commissions several leagues, I, I don't want to deal with shady people. I don't want to deal with shady shit. Nobody does. So, Anybody who's doing that stuff needs to be knocked down a peg, regardless of how many followers they have, whether they're male or female. It shouldn't matter. uh, Something needs to be said because, you know, there's a lot of stuff we as the fantasy community, you know, don't want around. We try not to tolerate. And I think we need to make sure people are being respectful and doing what they need to do when it comes to their leagues i just and and maybe i'm you know getting a little overboard with it but again as a commish i've dealt with some shady stuff it's never fun aaron you commish what are your thoughts i'm i'm with you Uh, as commish it is a full-time unpaid thankless job it's it's tough it's tough there's a lot of late evenings that go in to communicating with everyone um my main dynasty league, I know that there was four or five times of me contacting league mates a month before we started our off season, just letting them know, hey, here's the schedule. Here's what we're trying to do. We need to get everyone paid in before we can open up the league and start the off season. That's the fun part for dynasty. And it's, I've learned my lessons of running Mm -hmm. redraft leagues where I was lenient about letting someone pay. And of course you have league mates that go, well, uh, I won't pay because I'm going to win. So why am I going to pay my league fees only for you to turn around and give me the money? And, and I've ended up having to cover for them 
because I've never won't. heard that one. <laughs> it gets some pretty arrogant people in, in the, the home leagues that have existed for a while. But for people that haven't commissioned before, they, they, usually, they don't know about these headaches that go on. And usually what they respond to the commissioners is, yo, man, like, why are you being so uptight about this? And, and the answer for that is it, it is stressful. It, it can be stressful when the league's not well run, but that does come back to commissioners. For commissioners, you have to have an open line of communication. You have to communicate early and often. And, mm. and I find that like when I've, I know that I have to schedule it in my, in, uh, in my week that I need to get with the league mates and make sure that they're all on board. And my home dynasty league, a great group of guys and one girl too we're, we're starting to get some girls in the dynasty league and i love it and you know what i don't have any problems i don't have any issues even when i have league members leave the league you know what i have multiple times where i go hey it's the off season this is an ideal time if you're hesitant about continuing to play dynasty just let me know it's not a problem i got people that want in the league let me know before we start the off season and this off season, we had someone leave and there was no drama, nothing, mm. but comes with commissioners communicate and most of your problems will go away. Right. And pretty much for me in the handful of leagues, I run that every off season, I'm replacing at least one owner. And I, I, I need to stop that. I hate using the term owner. I mean, police, uh, replacing one manager, it, it, definitely at least one every off season. And, but it's gotten easier over time because someone in the league generally has a friend or something like that. And it's, it's usually a Mac, you, you know, a friendly departure because that's the way you, you got to try and run things. And if, but it, it's, it, it can be stressful, and really it can be stressful to run the league right and to yes. do these sort of things and make sure there is communication and things like that. Like I always, I get, you know, the, the draft orders out, I get everything taken care of. I put the links out. And then as we get closer to the rookie draft or to the NFL draft, I'm sitting here going, okay, let's get those rosters trimmed down. Let's get those payments in. So we can draft and that's the best way to do it. And you know, the people that you can count on, they're going to get it done right away. They're not going to be bothered. You're, you know, saying something because they're ready to go too. And then, you know, I always, the few stragglers behind, I always message them. Hey, sure. You're going to be okay to be in the league this year, man. Noticed you hadn't paid yet. Are you good to go? Do you need some time? Because we can't start this draft without you, man. Are you sure you're good to go this year? And I just like to double check and make sure people are good. Because sometimes that'll happen where I'll contact somebody like that. And they'll say, you know what? I just got too much going on, man. I just don't think I can do it this year. Keep my buy-in for this year. I got to go. I'm sorry. And I'm like, all good. Peace out. I keep the buy-in. That way, then the incoming person only has to pay for the next year or usually yeah, that's how it is. That they they'd have their their deposit in, but then they'd have to because a deposit's a good way to go too. Yeah. Really, you know, there's lots of little things, that, and it seems like a lot, but in the long run, I find it to be very beneficial. It just keeps everything on track, and you don't run into messes like having someone dip out in the middle of a draft, say, and without having paid, because that is a shitty thing to do. But there's ways to keep that from happening as well absolutely 
All right. All right. My rant's over. That's all I got. Sorry. I just had to get that out there because, you know, you know me, I see both sides of everything. But if there's one thing I can't stand, it's some bullshit when when it comes to dealing with league members and crappy etiquette, you know, and it's just, it, ah, it's such a headache. Sometimes I remember, Aaron, first couple of leagues I got into commissioning, commissioning, I should say, <laughs> I really felt like, well, this is fun. This is going to be good. This is going to be year three. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And by then I've gotten just multiple leagues I'm running. And I'm like, well, this was a terrible idea. Yeah. Why do you think I don't have hair? That's (laughs) (laughs) I keep commissioning leagues. It's caused me to pull my hair out. But fortunately, I think I'm in a good place now where I've got a good system. And I agree with you. Ultimately comes down to commissioners. That's right. If you want to do it right, you can, but it, it's going to take a little work and it's going to be kind of stressful and it's, it's thankless really. And, and, and it, it's not, but if you pull it off, then you at least know you're part of a well-run league. That's what, <laughs> that's the way I look at it. So, but yeah, you got to be a little mad to want to do it. More madness, free agency madness. We're going to get into that. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back to get into all the dissection of what happened this free agency. Yes. Be right back. Okay. Free agency madness. Really the big, the big story, the initial story was the Patriots and their reloading of their offense. Well, their whole team, really. And you got to think, they had a bunch of players opt out of COVID last year. So they got some of those guys returning. They brought a guy like Kyle Van Noy back. Wasn't he, didn't he return? Well, the brilliant thing on that one was they got a compensatory pick because he signed in Miami. Miami releases him and then they bring him back. That's right. It's crazy. So they pick up. Both Janu Smith and Hunter Henry. We were both right on that. Yes. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, and some people question, you know, is this panic by Bill? Is he just, uh, no. I mean, I, you know, Aguilar and Bourne kind of blah. But uh, I mean, Janu and Henry, this could be interesting. You know, there was once upon a time a point where they had space for two top tight ends it could happen again maybe not top three but it, they could end up tight end ones maybe and we'll see it's not like they have a prolific wide receiver in that group so i'm kind of thinking of wait and see a pro i'd like to see this because i kind of like the moves but we'll see how it pans out now it could depend on the quarterback we'll see if they bring anybody else in but they did resign cam and last season Yes, it was rough. Yes, he had some bad moments, particularly when he came back from COVID, as we've discussed before. But all in all, out of 15 games, in seven of them, he was a QB1. So if he can stay healthier with this better supporting cast, maybe he can make a little more noise. Maybe he goes to 12, 13 games as a QB1. I think it's possible. So I like what's going on here. We'll see if it actually 
hands out. Excuse me, blah, 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 blah. Aaron, your thoughts? I'm with you on this one. So the signings are confusing at first. I am a diehard John U. Smith fan for anyone that follows me on Twitter. So I was ecstatic about him signing a four-year, $50 million contract in day one. It's like, yes, John U. Smith set the tight end record for most guaranteed money at signing, which was $31 million guaranteed. I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is what I wanted. And then the next day, the Hunter Henry signing, it's like, my goodness, I just can't, can't catch a break. I want John U. Smith to be unleashed. But uh, if in preparing for 2021 for fantasy football, the big winner is Cam Newton because Cam Newton's got weapons. Last year, mm. his top guys, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers was a little sneaky good in terms of he was one of 27 receivers to average two yards per route run, um, mm. in which if you look at this list of guys there, and I'm not going to go into the entire list, but most of those guys were your top, your top fantasy producing receivers, your top, let's see, 12 of your top 14 fantasy receivers last year in PPR were in that mm. list. So Myers was good, but that was his best guy. And the only other options was Damier Bird, who is just a deep threat, probably a better NFL player than fantasy. So hmm. bringing in John O. Smith and Hunter Henry, it makes the Patriots better. It right. is going to be kind of a wait and see approach. And my best advice to people that are preparing for 2021 is go for Cam Newton. He's got weapons. He's going to be fun to watch. I don't trust Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are going to sabotage each other in fantasy football, but we have seen the Patriots do this before with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And one of the things that'll be fun to watch just for football is they're going to play both these guys on the field at the same time. They're right. instead of, when NFL teams go into spread offenses, it looks like the Patriots are going to be more of a power offense, two tight end sets. And if you're a defense, what do you do in that situation? Both guys can catch the ball. Are you going to go mm -hmm. into your nickel um, formation or are you going to stick to your base formation? And that's where the Patriots can exploit other teams' defenses. But for fantasy, Cam Newton's the safe bet. All these other guys, I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Because when it comes down to it, you know, it is kind of a stretch to think they could both hit tight end one, tight end one by the end of the season. But I do think there is a possibility. That being said, more than anything, I mean, what else are you going to do if you've got them in Dynasty? You, you just got to kind of go. You can't sell them right now. Sell not for proper value. So you're going to just have to hold and wait and hope that the Patriots do some magic here. And who knows? I mean, if both those guys are the two leading receivers on the team and Cam's thrown it around a little bit more, I mean, that that could be something. But on the other hand, they, they paid Nelson Aguilar some money. So I'm sure they're going to want to get him the motherfucking ball too, unfortunately. But anyway, anyway, we'll move on to running backs, unless you had anything else to add, Aaron. Oh, I think you got it right there. It's okay. Cam Newton's a guy, and for all the other parts, all the other players involved, just let's wait and see. Right, right, agreed. And moving on to running backs. A couple of people, a couple of peeps staying with their squads. Aaron Jones staying in Green Bay. Chris Carson re-signed with Seattle. Now, 
what do you think is uh, the more exciting fantasy wise? I mean, we've got Aaron Jones. We know what he brings to the table. All the AJ Dillon fans were just salivating and it's a paw, paw. No, 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 come down. He's going to be in the Jamal Williams role, likely. And we'll talk about that dude in a second. And then Chris Carson returning to the run-heavy Seattle Seahawks. There are some out there, such as myself, that believe Rashad Penny still has a sliver of a chance. And if he really gets a shot, an opportunity this year, that maybe, just maybe, he takes a little bit away or a lot away from Chris Carson. Any thoughts on anything I just said? What do you think about Aaron Jones and Green Bay, Chris Carson? What do you like better fantasy-wise? Well, for fantasy... I like Aaron Jones, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the situation there. But one of the interesting things when they didn't franchise tag him, I tend to go to Vegas odds and kind of just see what Vegas is thinking about these players. And I was shocked Mm. to find that there wasn't a heavy favorite. I know in fantasy football, we wanted him to go to Miami. It was like they need a starting running back. It just makes sense. They got cap space to spend on Aaron Jones. It didn't happen, but Miami was never – never one of the favorites to sign him but green bay remained the the number three team and i i looked at those odds i said i i'm when he resigned i wasn't shocked because there wasn't right. like green bay was right up there with san francisco i believe was the favorite but it was green bay was really close to the odds now the contract itself it's a four-year 48 million dollar deal it was a little bit less money than what his predicted market value which you can find that on over the cap. It was it was a little less than what he was predicted to sign. But the, the main thing on that, anyone that's following contracts in the NFL knows that the contract doesn't matter. It's the guaranteed money. And the guaranteed money is only $13 million. It's just a signing bonus, which is going to be $3.25 million for each season. And I, I pulled it up on Track with Aaron Jones' contract. The earliest that that they can move on from him is in 2023. They can cut him. They could save about $13 million in cap room. Right now, the Packers are already, they're close to the line in in terms of cap space. So you mentioned A.J. Dillon and A.J. Dillon fans just being defeated because it seemed that the path was there. There was no way that the Packers would pay for Aaron Jones when they just spent a second round rookie pick on A.J. Dillon in the NFL draft, it was like, oh, they drafted him because Aaron Jones is going to be a free agent. What I'll say is this is the time to buy A.J. Dillon if you believe in him. I'm not a fan of A.J. Dillon, but I'm putting some feelers out there. I think that you can you can get people that are kind of panicking a little bit because Aaron Jones has been a top four fantasy running back in both 2020 and 2019. So there's people that go, I don't want the guy that's in the Jamal Williams role. And in dynasty people, even though it's in dynasty leagues, we should be planning for the big picture. People don't. People, they they overreact. They want to sell when the, the window's closed for the upcoming season. I'm taking it as an opportunity to go get him at probably the cheapest his price will be. Um, for Chris Carson and the Rashad Penny situation, I, I know there's almost a parallel, right? Uh, there was Rashad Penny uh, truthers fans that that said the Seahawks they can't pay Chris Carson they're gonna let him go they got Rashad Penny who they used a very high NFL draft pick they drafted him in the first round I was high on Rashad Penny when he came out in the in the NFL draft he has a great profile 
But when they re-signed Chris Carson, Rashad Penny's been in the league for, he's going into year four. I know. And A.J. Dillon's going into a second season. And with, with running backs, it is rare that a running back breaks out after his second NFL season. Like, if a guy's going to be fantasy relevant, you're going to see it early. There are exceptions to the rules, of course, but for people holding out hope for Rashad Penny, it's an outlier. And that if you can find someone that wants to invest in him, then you probably want to sell Rashad Penny. But you don't want to just give him for nothing. So I, I believe what? <laughs> you don't want to trade him for a, a third round, fourth round rookie pick. Uh, Penny still has an interesting and intriguing profile, but it's it's tough. Where I'm going and buying AJ Dillon with Rashad Penny, I go that that ship has sailed. I feel you. I just have him on a couple of dynasty rosters, still trying to cling to a little bit of hope. If I thought I could get a third round rookie pick for him, I might sell him. <laughs> I don't know anybody that'll pay even it, that because most of my leagues are five round rookie, and I'm telling you. I can find dudes in the third round. So I will take a third rounder and take a, you know, so Chris Godwin average third round rookie draft when he was a rookie. So like you can find some dudes, you can find some dudes, especially in this draft. (laughs) Yes. Love all your thoughts on the running backs. And then we get Hyde to Jacksonville, Carlos Hyde. So no longer in Seattle. This is what made me think about, you know, Rashad Penny and they do have DJ Dallas the Seahawks, who they also like, but that, but Hyde leaving is kind of what thought, okay, they did resign Carson, but now they've got Carson, Penny, DJ. They like to run the shit out of the ball and, you know, guys get injured. So for them, they probably feel comfortable with their depth chart. Now I maybe we'll see what they do in the draft, but Carlos Hyde to Jacksonville, as I was saying, I think this is good for James Robinson. Okay. And then the aforementioned Jamal Williams. Him going to Detroit, is he a threat to Swift? I don't think so. I think like Carlos Hyde going to Jacksonville, hey, they wanted another body, a solid backup behind Robinson. Same thing in Detroit. Adrian Peterson is gone, right? Who else do they really have? Oh, carry on Johnson. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Okay. So it's got to be Jamal Williams as that backup coming in. And hey, we saw Jamal Williams not bad in that role in, in Green Bay. Now Detroit, not the same kind of offense. So Jamal Williams, you, you probably, you know, if you're stuck with him, I mean, he's kind of a handcuff, maybe, <laughs> I, I guess. But when it comes down to it, he's no threat to Swift. I mean, in Green Bay, I'm just going to say this real quick. He's not an efficient running back. Because in Green Bay in 2020, a great Green Bay offense, he was 38th in yards per carry, 38th in big rushes, 46th in evaded tackles, 55th in juke rate. Now, comparatively to Aaron Jones in the same system, obviously larger workload, but 5th in yards per carry, 12th in big rushes, 14th in evaded tackles, 25th in juke rate, much better all around back or at least much more efficient I should say so give me the guy that's more efficient and so when you're going 
to Detroit, you're Jamal Williams, you're not that efficient, and you're going to a worse offense. I don't think DeAndre Swift has a damn thing to worry about. Yes, and, and I agree with you. And, and I'll also say, I'm a fan of DeAndre Swift. I see the signing. I, people freak out about every running back that signs with a team where they have their starting run back. Uh, we'll talk about Marlon back a little later, but he signs mm-hmm. and people, and Jonathan Taylor fans freak out. Uh, Jamal Williams signs and people freak out about DeAndre Swift. And it's, it, we have to, we can't overreact. You look right. at the contract details, you know me, I'm going to look at the contract details and, and look at Jamal Williams, two year, $6 million deal. It's 3 million per year. And in fact, they can get out of this contract next off season. It's, it's not much of a commitment. Jamal Williams, as you mentioned, he's a, he's a solid, he's a decent guy. He's, he's just another guy, you know, good for him for making a little bit of money in free agency. And he'll have a role because we can't have running backs going out there and receiving a hundred percent of the workload because I don't want that for Deandre Swift, for instance, because he's going to get, if he got all the workload, you're going to get two, maybe three great fantasy performances out of him, and then he's going to be hurt. And we saw with DeAndre Swift, and I remember watching, I would watch Detroit Lions games, mainly because I just wanted to watch Swift play. Swift mm. was, he was, he was doing some magic in the receiving, uh, in the receiving game. So if Jamal Williams is there, and I know Jamal Williams can catch, but Jamal Williams handles some of the between the tackles uh, carries there, and Swift is getting the passing game work, Oh man, wheels up in PPR leagues. We don't, we saw Aaron Jones splitting the workload with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones was great in PPR. As I mentioned, top four back-to-back seasons. Like that is, that is what Swift can be with Jamal Williams. I know different offense, but I'm not scared off by Jamal Williams. And with Carlos Hyde in Jacksonville, this is excellent news. I was way off in the last episode on my prediction because I thought Aaron Jones, I thought the Jaguars, they, this is what the Jaguars do in free agency is they get a ton of cap space and they go and they blow it on all the big name, big name free agents out there. And Aaron Jones was clearly the best running back. They were on record for saying that they wanted to go out and invest heavy money on playmakers. I was like, oh man. Poor James Robinson fans are going to have Aaron Jones in the backfield. This is this is the best case scenario for James Robinson fans and mm. for the people in dynasty leagues that bought James Robinson because you know the narrative in all of the leagues across like all the podcasts I've listened to was sell James Robinson and of course I know, I know why he was an undrafted rookie free agent. It's an outlier. I get it, but sometimes you have to listen to all these podcasts and you go, everyone else is hearing the same thing. So you can get a chance to buy these players at a discount. And if you bought James Robinson for, say, a second-round rookie pick, I know that seems crazy, but I know there were some people that were just they, – they were trying to – they were trying to outsmart everyone, including themselves. And they're like, I just need to get something for James Robinson for his value creators. <laughs> mm. Now, if you got him for a second-round pick, you're ecstatic. Hyde is just going to be a guy that he's going to take some of the some of the workload from James Robinson, but it's not going to be this feared 50-50 split that we thought James Robinson may have if someone else, say an Aaron Jones, had signed in Jacksonville. And he, right. Robinson might have got less than 50 <laughs> if they sign Aaron Jones. Yeah. 
but you know because i just thought it was weird i i saw people talking about this on twitter and someone mentioned they'll probably get a third down back and i'm like why would they get a third down back like do people not think james robinson can catch the he was ninth in receptions 14th in reception yards seems like he can catch the ball to me and if it's an improved offense, like i did that I don't know what I'm missing about James James Robinson that people are so off on other than he was an undrafted back. It seems to be about it. It's just he wasn't drafted. Therefore, you know what that means? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't. Yeah. Cheap. 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 He's, he's cheap. And thank goodness. I, I'm honestly, I'm happy. Jacksonville. I know I'm, I'm very wrong about what I thought they were going to do. But I'm happy because we could to, when you got a running back on that cheap of a contract that can do what he does, like thank goodness they just let him do his thing, like pay minimum for the running back and focus on other areas. Agreed, agreed. Now, moving on, there's a few other names that landed in some spots. Kenyon Drake. <sighs> Almost, almost as bad as Jay will when it comes to the efficiency department. And and Kenyon Drake is now a Raider. And uh, um, who knows what the – oh, Josh Jacobs uh, fans. <laughs> I'm not laughing I'm, I'm at all of you. J- just Aaron. Uh, just Aaron. But you got Mike Boone signing in Denver, which – means philip Lindsay gets his his tender rescinded and he's out the door he signs in houston to join david johnson and mark ingram what a trio they fucking make marlon mack staying in indy malcolm brown to miami and my thoughts on all of this is i don't give a shit about Kenyon drake or philip Lindsay, and and i don't really anymore about marlon mack hate to say it but with the injury and all of that i did no reason to worry about jonathan taylor and and marlon mack i, I just feel it's the end is near with him i just the injury might have did it for him otherwise he might have got a big payday this free agency from somebody but but alas it is what it is mike boone i kind of like as a potential secondary back to melvin gordon in denver i kind of like that and then i don't give a shit about malcolm brown does that mean that they might be rolling miles gaskin or are they not done yet or are they getting someone in the draft so few things there what do you think mr aaron well let me get the headache out of the way here with Kenyon drake i'm gonna break the fourth wall here i'm looking at my notes here the first thing i have in my notes is what the hell are the raiders doing a two-year, $11 million That's a good contract. question. <laughs> I, I think even Raiders fans are, are asking what the hell John Gruden and Mike Mayock are doing. Because the contract, two years, $11 million, $5.5 million per season for a backup running back. I, I know Jacobs hasn't quite been the complete running back. He might need a little extra help. But the contract's fully guaranteed as well. Like, uh, it's unbelievable. Like, they, I, I thought NFL teams – we're getting smart with what they're doing with running backs. And then the Raiders go, you know, it'd be a great idea. Let's get rid of our entire offensive line and pay a backup running back. Some five and a half million per year. My goodness. I think it may have been a middle finger to Seattle because then they had to turn around and pay a little bit more for Chris Carson than they probably would have liked. And the yeah. Kenyon Drake contract can get up to 14 and a half million. My second note 
breaking the fourth wall again. I just gotta say, I it's sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> this the whole Raiders thing, I swear, it's like every offseason, John Gruden just just like flashes back to when he was in the Monday night booth and tries to remember all the players he enjoyed watching in the Monday night. But oh, Kenyon Drake, yeah, I liked that Kenyon Drake, man. Let's sign that Kenyon Drake, man. That's what I think happens here. <laughs> That's the only explanation. Sorry, continue. I, I think I think you're right. Like he's building a team like uh, someone that's playing Madden would. Um, <laughs> and to break the fourth wall again, my second note. Seriously, what the hell, Raiders? Like just a joke of a franchise. It yeah. is. They they've actually uh, for people that follow on Player Profiler, kind of spoil things just a little bit. I'm going to be covering the Las Vegas Raiders for the the draft kit. And so I, I don't drink alcohol, but they may cause me to develop a drinking problem. Well, I don't drink alcohol right now because I, I gave it up for Lent. But they, they're they get me really close to wanting to go have a beer right now. But I, I'm going to go to something more positive. Let's let me go to Mike Boone, Philip Lindsay, real quick. Mike Boone, I like Mike Boone. Uh, he's been, <laughs> the tough thing is in dynasty leagues. He's usually the player that I pick up in the off season, and it's that tough cut on my team. Like because I pull up his profile, I see the hundredth percentile burst score. I want to root for him. He's he's electrifying, but you know the the thing that that kind of that that bothers fantasy managers is that 2019 mike boone cost some people some money in their redress fucking leagues. one of them yes because in week 16 he was a popular pickup because dalvin cook was out mike boone just had a big performance in week 15 I, I don't even remember the details he did something to tick off the coach or something or like early in the game he did something wrong he got benched he didn't really do much but he finished that game with 4.3 fantasy points per game and if you started him in week 16 you probably didn't win your championship game now i did not i was down by like i don't even remember how many points now eight nine ten eleven i can't even remember within range and i remember this asshole i was playing against celebrating and i was like no 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 fuck you i still got my boon left and i was proud to say it oh, and, and i was, was like for him. Oh, okay and then, and then monday night it was a monday night game i believe or sunday night i just remember it was later on in that particular week week 16 and i remember the game happened and i was just like yeah he really didn't do nothing and i made it like i still got my boon left Jam. and then no no anyway <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's a pain. and the other middle finger for mike boone to you is that in week 17 when most normal leagues are already done for the year, because nobody should be playing a week 17. He had a big performance. I think he was RB seven that, that week. So big performance week 15 people rush to pick him up for their championship game. He lays a goose egg just about and week 17 when nobody's playing fantasy football, he of course goes out and has a top performance. So that's my boom for you. And, and so people have gotten a, a sour taste in their mouth and in 2020, he never got a chance to, to play at all. Dalvin cook had an amazing season. Right. Alexander Madison was a guy that was of course going to be above him on the depth chart. They invested a third round pick. So this is what people that are Mike Boone fans have been craving, which is let's get, let's get Mike Boone out of Minnesota somewhere where he can go 
and display his skills. I do believe he's been one of the best, like third string running backs. I know that's funny, mm-hmm. but if you play dynasty, dynasty football, these are the guys that you're looking to get because they're mm-hmm. available. You can usually pick them up. You don't even have to trade for them. And you're just waiting for them to go somewhere and produce. And, and that contract, it is a decent amount of money. It's he signed a two year $3.85 million deal, 2.6 mm. mil are, is guaranteed. So this isn't chump change. They're, they are giving him a chance to compete for the backup running back role. And with Melvin Gordon, he had a DUI situation. I know charges were dropped, and right. but the NFL, they could still, still suspend him. Yeah, so Mike and- Boone could, could be a startable option for a few weeks and right. is worth monitoring, especially Dynasty Leagues. And if memory serves correct, Pat, Pat Shermer, current OC of the Broncos, right? Former OC of the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Boone was there. I believe Shermer's last year was Boone's rookie year. So I think Shermer has some familiar, familiarity. Man, that is a tough word to say sometimes, especially when you high. But anyway, so there's they, they, they know each other a little bit, I believe. So and the GM knows him. The, oh, the Bronco, Broncos Patty. GM. Yeah. Yes. So, so there's a reason he's there, and there's a very good chance he's the number two. And whether it's, you know, if Gordon could get injured, he could serve suspension because of this DUI. Anything could happen. And Mike Boone being right there may start a string of games, might be worth having on your squad, is all worth. Now, I want to mention, too, that for Broncos fans, I know they have been furious about the fact that they let Philip Lindsay go because he's the hometown kid from Colorado, that he, he had back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons to start his career, and that's awesome, like good for him. But I'm telling you, Broncos fans, you should be just as, just as excited about Mike Boone joining the team. You should be. You should be. And, and I know Lindsay, like – the undersized, small running back we wanted to root for. Like it's you can't hate that guy, except I'm gonna be that guy to hate on him. Like there's there's a reason the Broncos let him go. And that's because yes. in, in in fantasy football, like I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't value him at all. He's a better NFL running back than he is a fantasy running back. I mm. don't want the small, undersized running back that can't do a damn thing in the passing game. And, and I know I saw things on Twitter about people going, well, if he's given a receiving role uh, on an offense, he can produce. He's given, he's has been given the receiving role with the Broncos. And what did he do? He literally dropped the opportunity. He had some of the worst hands. He had a ridiculously high drop rate. And because of that, he only saw like seven targets last season mm-hmm. and he managed to drop two of them. So with Lindsay, he's a good good runner and he was hurt during the middle of last season and that affected that affected his rushing productivity but him going to houston is good for his career but if you're a philip Lindsay owner him signing with the houston texans is that brief window that you have to sell him because before you weren't getting anything but you got to follow what the teams do the philip Lindsay was a restricted free agent they gave him an original round tender he was undrafted, which basically what that means is a team could have signed him to a contract offer and the Broncos could either match it or let him sign with another team and they don't get anything for him. 
And then they took the tender away from him to make him an unrestricted free agent. That's how much they valued him. And Mm -hmm. with Houston, there isn't much to compete with. There's an aging David Johnson, Mark Ingram, that in Baltimore last season, they basically said, our team is better. Our team is better when you don't play. So there's opportunity in Houston. (laughs) Does anyone want any part of a Houston Texans offense that may potentially be without Deshaun Watson? Not me. I mean, and with Philip Lindsay, I saw someone that, that said that they were able to trade a the sixth pick in the second round of a rookie draft for Philip Lindsay, and they were proud of it. I said, "My mind, you got ripped off, bud. You got ripped way, off. It's a horrible way trade. Ripped off. Lindsay's fun to watch. He's a better NFL running back league. than fantasy. Yeah, go join, go join Ryan's league. I don't want Philip Lindsay. I don't want the small, undersized running back that can't catch." Those guys don't last. They don't last long. He's already right. dealing with injuries because he runs so violently right. and he's not going to last long. He may, he may continue to play in the NFL for maybe a couple of seasons. There's a reason he only signed a one-year contract. So, sorry, I'm that guy. I'm the villain that wants to hate on the small, undersized, undrafted rookie running back. Well, not a rookie anymore, but he's had a great story. But look at what he did in 2020. It's not going to get much better than that. I'm with you. I, I don't hate on him, but I've never been a huge fan of him. And I, I made the comment, come join my league. But if it's for Philip Lindsay, I don't actually roster any Philip Lindsay so that I can't sell him to this, to this guy. So I have to go somewhere else. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I try to be not just a hat rack, my friend. And, and so was there any thoughts on Mac or Marlon, Mac, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck? Malcolm Brown. I I'm promise so I'll be brief with Marlon Mac. Yes, sir. Uh, he's, he suffered an Achilles injury last season. That's a brutal injury. There's no guarantee that he'll be able to get back to his level of play. And for people that think that this is going to affect Jonathan Taylor, it's not. Uh, with, with the Colts, Naheem Hines is going to eat into Jonathan Taylor's workload a little bit. But what you saw last season is what, what you should expect with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Marlon Mack is going to – he's going to eat more into Jordan Wilkins – role of being the guy that comes in to spell Taylor when he needs a breather but Marlon Mack the contract a one-year two million dollar deal you hope that he could just get healthy this season and then next year when he enters free agency he can get a chance to go sign somewhere to compete for a real role and, and I hate that Marlon Mack that was a guy that if you're an analytics guy we loved Marlon Mack and I hate yes. that the reason his value has decreased is because of an Achilles injury but it's the nature of being an NFL running back. The only other team I yeah. thought that would sign him was the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and yes, I know Miles Sanders fans don't want to hear about running back signing there, but Nick Sirianni, the, the new Eagles head coach, he was the OC in Very Indianapolis. True. So those were the only two teams. Like when the contract news was, was released uh, about a re-signing, I, I wasn't shocked. I thought that Indianapolis and Philly were the only two places he was going to sign just because he was going to be familiar with the offense. Yeah, I think with Mac, I would just say I don't expect him. I, w- I wouldn't have been worried about him signing anywhere because I don't expect him to be anything spectacular this year coming off that injury. Mm-hmm. And then, sure, there's a chance next year, but next year he's – it's going to be in that age range where the decline starts to come. So I just really worry about 
long-term Marlon Mack in general, but we'll see what happens this year. And then we do have a few guys still available in free agency, Leonard Fournette, James White, James Conner, Todd Gurley. Unless I've been in the, unless I've missed something, but James Conner, Todd Gurley, to me, I don't really care. They might go a while without being signed. I could see somebody eventually giving in to Fournette or James White. But do you have a spot for any of these guys that that who might be still looking for a running back? I mean, we talk about the Jets, but at this point, do they want to commit to somebody like they did with Le'Veon Bell? So you tell me, is there any of these guys that have a good landing spot in mind for you? Certainly, certainly. So I believe when we talk about some of the bigger running backs, Leonard Fournette and James Conner, they their best options may be to wait till after the NFL draft and then sign a contract with the team to kind of mm. see uh, inevitably somebody. These teams are going to be telling themselves they could get Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, these guys that are built to be primary running backs and something's going to happen in the draft and it doesn't go according to plan. And Fournette, Connor, maybe Gurley are plan B or plan C. So I think the running backs, Fournette's the only guy that, uh, the only big running back that may still land somewhere. I see Tampa Bay, like they, they're still, keep, they're keeping everybody, it seems. So why yeah, not, why not bring him back? Him and Ronald Jones was a good combination there. But mm. if, if Tampa Bay opts to go a different direction, James White, it's a guy that fits what they what they need. Ronald Jones is not a receiving threat. Uh, James White, mm. we know the connection that Tom Brady has with him. So very true. Bring in James White, small one year deal. You have Ronald Jones, James White, mix in a little bit of Keyshawn Vaughn. That's probably the better financial investment there. You save a little bit of money now for Leonard Fournette. Where could he end up going? Teams that that are missing a starting running back, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, but they don't have the cap space that he may be looking for. The Jets, mm. the Jets still don't have a primary guy. Sorry, Ty Johnson, Lamichael P. Ryan, those are backup caliber running backs. But this, the running back market, usually does get a little slower at this point of the off season because mm. you'll see some big names signed, and we saw the guys that did sign are primarily backup running backs the the guys that didn't sign are guys that want to start but they're going to have to wait for the draft i like it i like james white staying in tampa i really do like that you, you know fournette's an interesting one because it doesn't seem like there was a ton of interest for him when he was released and he ended up in tampa bay and that worked out well but they haven't re-signed him as of yet. And so it's just like, yeah, with the draft coming up, I mean, who has the cap space and the need, really, other than the Jets? Yeah, the, the Jets are the primary team. Uh, another maybe dark horse team is the Chargers. Uh, Joshua Kelly. No, was I was just going to mention them. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to mention them and say that would freak Austin Eckler it they would freak oh my god people would freak out but it shouldn't though it shouldn't with, with Eckler people know that with Eckler the, the primary way he gets his points is from receptions being utilized in the passing game so if they bring in uh let's say a James Conner kind of a plotter 
Like that's that's okay. That is okay for Austin Eckler because Eckler got hurt last season. So let's right. let's not run him between the tackles. Eckler is a really buff running back, by the way. That guy is a freak. But mm. I would like to, if I was calling plays for the Chargers, I'd like to maybe not run him up the middle. Let's get him involved in the pass game. So Chargers or Austin Eckler dynasty uh, managers. I'm with you. I don't like the term owners and I have to catch yeah. myself on that, but, <laughs> but managers should not worry about that. Like that's okay. Eckler does his work in the passing game. I agree. I agree. All right. Done with the running back position. Let's next move on to wide receiver. So you have the top names. You got Kenny Galladay, Juju, Will Fuller, kind of the top names of the free agent wide receiver class this year. And Juju decides to stay in Pittsburgh, which for me, I, I guess, Big Ben coming back, it's the run it one more time type of type of it. I don't, I don't know. And he turned down less money, it sounds like. So I, I don't know. Then you got Will Fuller in Miami, which I really like. And Kenny Galladay to New York, which I really like. See, with Galladay, seems to be a lot of chatter about him not being that good and blah, blah. Did people forget because he didn't play much last year what he did in 2019? Huh? Did people forget? I mean, he's essentially in the prime of his career. Now, I understand it's the Giants, but very talented wide receivers have done wonders for fantasy purposes with shitty quarterbacks before. Look at DeAndre Hopkins, several years in Houston with shit quarterback play. So I, I almost look at this as a time to go get you some Kenny Galladay. It looked like that's the way I'm looking at this because people are just too down on him. And it's it, like I said, it's almost like they forgot. And so that's, Kind of my ideas on on, on the top guys uh, that were taken care of since we last spoke. Now, let's start with Kenny Galladay, because that was the most recent of the receivers that we got news for. And the remarkable thing for Galladay was he got a four-year, $72 million deal, which the reason I say is remarkable is uh, I do believe that he's worth that much money because he does change the game for his quarterbacks. He's, he is a dominant, dominant receiver. The reason I was shocked was we saw all the receivers sign contracts before Galladay. And Galladay seemed to be yeah. playing this game of chicken and he wanted $18 million per season. And by golly, he got it. And I know the Giants are probably gonna have to do some maneuvering there. But man, when I saw the, the details of that, I was like, holy moly, because Juju, as we talked about, he settled for $8 million on one year. Will Fuller, he settled for $10 million on one year. It was all the top receivers. They waited. We saw guys like Nelson, Nelson Aguilar get his contract. And, you know, my little prediction for how receivers was going to go in the offseason was I, was I believe that the top receivers were going to get their big multi-year money contracts. And then guys like Marvin Jones, and T.Y. Hilton and John Brown were going to have to settle for like one-year contracts. But then Aguilar got two years and Marvin Jones got a multi-year contract. And then it was the top receivers that settled for one-year 
bargain contracts. Um, one of the things for Juju was the Kansas City Chiefs apparently offered like a very similar contract. I'm like, my goodness, you must really like Pittsburgh if you're turning something. down. Yeah, you're turning something. down the chance to play with Mahomes, which could right. that could have rebuilt. Money. Yeah, that could have rebuilt his his career. That's been kind of rough since Antonio Brown left. That maybe yeah. AB was right that without Antonio Brown getting the coverage, Juju is is nothing. And, and that makes me sad. I, I like Juju. I've got him in Dynasty. It's a man. He's starting to look like one of those rookie year sensations that doesn't really live up to those those expectations we have. Uh, but and Will Fuller, I, I gotta pat myself on the back there a little bit. That was my bold prediction there for for Will Fuller was that he was going to end up in Miami and kind of be step one, the two part process where. Maybe they bring in Deshaun Watson to Miami because, hey, we got your number one receiver here and we got, we've got the assets to get you here to Miami and just get Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, South Beach. But for Will Fuller, the, the other thing that makes sense on this one is this is what the Dolphins do. They are, they're, they're risk takers. Uh, they've mm-hmm. taken risk on Antonio Callaway. They gave him kind of his NFL comeback. Um, his introduction, I forget, Callaway somewhere, maybe Kansas City, but he started he started back with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the They also got the Tennessee Titans tackle. They traded for him. They swapped future seventh-round picks, and it didn't work out so well. I saw that, that that tackle got cut. I blinking on his name. He hasn't done anything in the NFL, and it sadly seems that his career may be over. But right. for, for those top receivers there, uh, that that is, I, I'm shocked with Juju. I like it for Fuller, and I really like it for Galladay. We we are, as you mentioned, we're quick to forget just how good Galladay was, still is. Yeah, I'm gonna say still is. And as far as uh, some of the other signings, um, some of the more important ones, I guess you'd say Curtis Samuel to the Washington Football Team with his uh, team up with his college college buddy Terry, Terry McLaurin who I refer to as T-Mac and uh, a little Fitz magic to go along with that we'll get into that in a second Corey Davis to the Jets AJ Green to the Cardinals Tyrell Williams to the Lions then some minor ones Emmanuel Sanders to Buffalo John Brown to Las Vegas again WTF John Ross to the Giants Marvin Jones to Jacksonville and Higgins is going to stay, Rashard Higgins is going to stay in Cleveland. Now, some of the things I just want to point out with this that I like, Corey Davis to the Jets, to me says, by Denzel Mims. That I love Denzel Mims. And I still think he's got a bit of a rough rookie year. He was also banged up and it was the Jets and Adam Gase. So come on, come on. So I want to see what happens this year with Mr. Mims. And then I kind of sneaky like, I've always been a Tyrell Williams fan. Always liked Tyrell Williams. And it appears as though he's going to be the number one receiver in Detroit. Now, probably not the greatest offense. Jared Goff, a quarterback, but, but could be the number one guy. And I do like Tyrell. So that intrigues me just a little, little bit. And uh, again, John Brown to the Raiders. They're, they're just... Uh, they have Henry Ruggs still, right? I mean, I was, I, so anyway, anyway, those are kind of my thoughts on some of the free agent signings as far as the rest of them go with wide receiver. What do you think? 
We're going to start with the most recent one there with John Brown. And stop me if you've heard this before, John Brown. The, the Las Vegas Raiders acquire very fast receiver. Like as far back as I can remember, that's what the Raiders do. They really like speed. Uh, it seems to be a match made in heaven there. I was. I like I was, that John Brown, man. I like him. They call him Smokey, I believe. Smokey <laughs> Brown. Yeah, I like Smokey Brown, man. And that's that's probably the reason Gruden really wanted him. Now, in fairness to John Brown, he he is a and good. In person. fairness to to everybody who imper- sorry to interrupt, but in fairness to everybody who does a good impersonation of John Gruden, I I, I am sorry, mine is terrible. But anyway, continue, Eric. <laughs> with John Brown, he's he is a good receiver. The, the thing he's always dealt with is injury problems, and I hate yeah, that yeah. because when he's healthy, and we saw in twenty nineteen, he's healthy, and he looked good in Buffalo. This past season, he wasn't healthy, and Gabriel Davis was able to kind of take uh, take some of those snaps, some right. of those opportunities from him. Now, him going to Oakland, what that tells me is you're going to want to go get Brian Edwards because Brian Edwards is a good prospect. We haven't seen enough of him in the pros yet. We got just a little bit to end the season. He started the season, he was playing some heavy snaps, which is good for a rookie receiver to actually get on the field. Then he got hurt and got lost in the shuffle. By the end of the season, he had, I believe, a two-reception, 51-yard game in week 17, just enough to be like, okay, like this is what we were hoping for Brian Edwards. And the Raiders are kind of like the Jaguars. They tend to make splashy signings. They'll sign guys, and then a year or two later, they'll get rid of them. You mentioned Tyrell Williams. That's what the Raiders did. They went and got Tyrell Williams, four-year, $44 million deal. Two years later, they got rid of him. him. Yep. That's, what, that's what they do. That's, they design their contracts to go make splashy signings, and then when it doesn't work out in two years, they move on from them. So with John Brown, there were certainly some bigger names they could have gone after. But for me, what that tells me is go get Brian Edwards. Henry Ruggs, not a fan of him. I believe that's if you have them, you sell them to get whatever you can. Because right. that that just the analytics didn't support Henry Ruggs being worth what his cost was in rookie drafts. Correct. Now Tyrell Williams. Oh, it, one thing oh, I wanted yeah. to add on to John Brown, because, or really the Brian Edwards thing, because Brian Edwards, someone I've wrote about this off season, and on playerprofiler.com because I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show, we both write for playerprofiler.com. Duh. So check out our stuff there. (laughs) Anyway, I 110% agree on Brian Edwards. Continue my friend. Let's, let's go with the former Raider Tyrell Williams. Now with the Detroit Lions to mention him going to Detroit. Who's he competing with? There really isn't anybody. There's two Cephas. There's Quintus Cephas, <laughs> which sounds like a disease you never want to have. Cephas. And then they, they to me did... it sounds like a redneck name. Oh. Cephas, get over here, Cephas. <laughs> I, I think like, he's he's got he's got a better name to say than um, fantasy relevancy. Now they they also did sign Brashad Perryman, uh, and and props to Perryman. Because right as you think he's going to be washed out of the league, he just manages – hey, he's another NFL yeah, cockroach. Yeah, he's done a little something. He's, yeah. he's, he's like Ryan Pace. He's an NFL cockroach. He manages to, true. to stay alive 
and good for him. And he's going to get $3 million this year. Keep getting those checks. I wish I could get a one-year $3 million deal. But Perryman is best utilized as, as a deep threat that keeps the safety's attention. So Tyrell Williams has at least shown, I know it's been a few years, but he's shown that he can have some performances. And the best part is if you're playing Dynasty, there's a good chance that Tyrell Williams, who's now 28 years old, he was probably dropped, especially since he didn't play last season. You can go pick him up for free. And with receivers, there's injuries that happen. It's nice to have a team's number one receiver. It's not a flashy signing, but these are the type of moves you make in Dynasty to help you win. And then Mm -hmm. let's say that he has a nice little stretch. If you're not contending, he has a nice stretch of games. You can trade him, get a draft pick. And that's the best. When you can pick up a guy for free and you get anything. Travis Fulgham. Yes, Travis (laughs) Fulgham, former Lions receiver as well. So, yes, we kind of roll our eyes with these receivers. Are they going to be uh, an A.J. Brown? No, but that's all right. Like, all, all it takes, we talked about it at the start of the show, your, your dynasty managers can sometimes have short-sightedness. And a player that starts having three or four good games has a little Travis Fulgham, man, you get a second-round pick. So mm-hmm. good, good for Tyrell Williams. It's not a big-money contract. And if not, then you got a depth player that you can use while they're relevant. I mean, yes. that, that, that's worst case scenario. And that's okay, too. That's yes. okay, too. Did you have anybody else you wanted to hit? Just quickly with Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel. With Corey Davis, him going to the Jets, that's a really good move for him. I admittedly had to kind of leave my bias at the door. I referred to Corey Davis as Corpse Davis in an <laughs> off-season article I did before the season because I thought he was dead. He's, he was a bust. But you know what? Hey, I'm a John o. Smith I like fan. That. I was going like to slander any and all Tennessee Titans outside of, you know, AJ Brown can't slander him, mm. but with yeah. Corey Davis, this was a good place to land because he was from the analytics side. He wasn't bad last year. He really wasn't. So this is a good no. spot for him to land, but I'm also okay. with you. I'm with you that this is a good chance to go acquire Denzel Mims because mm. just like with AJ Dillon, it's, Oh no, the team just signed a veteran to a multi-year big money contract. Teams, people don't think about the future, the long-term plan. Denzel Mims was a second round NFL draft pick. He, he looks like an NFL receiver and okay. He had a quiet rookie season thanks to injuries and whatever they were putting out there at quarterback, but Denzel Mims, that's a perfect guy to buy low. Now, Curtis Samuel, Oh man, Curtis Samuel fans have waited and waited for their opportunity to see him succeed the way he did last season. And I'm ecstatic for him to go to Washington to pair up with his former Ohio State teammate, Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel, mm-hmm. this, this was a perfect landing spot because Curtis Samuel is not an alpha. He's not a, say, well, as I mentioned, AJ Brown or uh, Julio Jones. He's not the guy that, that, can challenge number one cornerbacks, but he's a chess piece. You can line them up. You can line them up in the backfield. So I can't wait to see what Ron Rivera, his former Carolina Panthers head coach, how he utilizes him. Maybe he took some notes on how he was utilizing that rules offense with the Panthers last season, where they generated all kinds of, of targets for Samuel and the targets are going to be consolidated in Washington. 
because outside of Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, there's Logan Thomas. He, yeah, good. Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson will be involved. Hopefully, we I won't see it. as much JD JD McKissick. But in terms of receivers, those those guys each got chances to to show what they could do in the past mm-hmm. two seasons with Steven Sims, Cam Sims. They had the yep. rookie last year, Antonio Gandy Golden. None of those guys are an answer. Those guys Kelvin are all competing Harmon. to be Kelvin Harmon. Those guys are all competing to be maybe the third receiver. And I don't even know if they're going to run a lot of three receiver sets, which is great news for Curtis Samuel. Because right. we saw what he could do in Carolina when he was the third receiving option. Okay, now he's in Washington with a little Fitz magic. I, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what, we, what they do in Washington next season. Same here. And back to Corey Davis, I definitely agree. I like the spot for him. But I also think I like the spot for him as a number two receiver. Because I think he's proven that he can't be a number one. Which is exactly why Mims will ascend to that status. And Corey Davis will be great as the number two. Okay? So I think this is great all around for them. A couple of guys still available. T.Y. Hilton, Antonio Brown. Eh, not a whole lot to talk about unless you got something. Um, I think anything's going to remain in Indy. Uh, Hilton is, I could see them both staying where they were at last right, year. Because <clears throat> Indianapolis, and we've seen them already do this with uh, on the defensive side at cornerback, they opted just to keep Xavier Rhodes on a one-year contract. I, I really, really like Chris Ballard as a GM. I like his I philosophy on what he does. And, and this is this he will he will prefer to keep the homegrown talent there. And I know it's not sexy, but we all wanted Chris Godwin to go to Indy. We thought about Kenny Galladay going to Indy, but if you look at the receivers that are available and you hit, I believe the big names that are still there, like nothing else makes sense for, for Indy mm. and for Hilton than just let's reunite one more season. Oh man, I know Colts fans, like they'll have the same receiving core and it's like, oh, really this again? But this is a team that when they draft guys high in the NFL draft, and in this case, Michael Pittman, the second round last year, Paris Campbell, second round the year before, they they will give these guys every opportunity to succeed. That's what Indy does on the defensive line. They've got three mm-hmm. guys they've taken in the second round since 2018 that they they hold on to them. Tyquan Lewis. Tyquan Lewis was a guy that after his second season, it was like, this guy's a bust. <laughs> we're we're going to move. It looked like they were going to move on from him. They gave him his third opportunity and he developed into a nice rotational piece this team's patient with their high draft picks is what i'm trying to trying to get at and and bringing ty hilton in it's like hey you've only played here in indy come back resume that role as michael Pittman starts to maybe develop i don't know what Pittman can be in the in the nfl level i'm not sure if he's a number one guy but He's he's certainly he's not ready to be the number one option in Indy this season. So it just makes sense for him to go back to Indy. I agree with Antonio Brown. Like, does any NFL team want to deal with his shenanigans? It seems like Tom Brady's the only one that wants him. So it's boring, but let these free agent receivers just sign one-year contracts to go back to their 2020 teams. Agreed, agreed. And the aforementioned. Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
is now in Washington, as we said, and throwing to Curtis Samuel and T-Mac. And uh, that was one of the quarterback signings. We saw some other stuff go on. And obviously, we both like the Fitz magic. We saw Chicago settle on Andy Dalton when they apparently couldn't get Russell Wilson. Taysom Hill, the whole fake extension thing, and then signing the Saints signing Jameis Winston, possible QB battle ahead right there. And then there's Deshaun Watson, who it was reported a handful of days ago that he prefers San Francisco or Denver. And then not too much later that he had a sexual assault case against him. And then it was a few days later, he's got like 22 against him. So I hear this and I start out like, okay, like from everything I've read and heard, obviously you don't know who these guys are, but from everything I've read and heard, he seems like a decent person. And to be honest, I've known some dudes who grown up the way he has grown up, as in raised by a single mom. And those dudes in general have a pretty high respect for women and what they do. So it just seemed odd to me, given particularly the timing with him trying to get out of Houston. And normally that's not the way I go because I'm, you know, definitely going to side with the victim unless it's proven otherwise. But you know, there's some shit out there of women not being truthful. And again, it seemed like, man, it's odd to think about Deshaun doing it, but we don't know these people. We really don't. So it's a crazy situation. Even if nothing comes legally of it, as we've talked before, there's still the possibility of suspension. So, and really, does it matter? I I mean, because that that offense, if he stays in Houston, that offense is going to be bad. But there's definitely, I mean, as far as what I've heard, the Panthers are still highly interested in getting them some Deshaun Watson. So we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, crazy situation. What is your thoughts on not only Watson, but of course, Dalton landing in Chicago and then the QB battle in New Orleans? Well, I'm going to start in order there. So with the Chicago Bears and Andy Dalton, the first thing I got to do is I got to apologize to Ryan Pace because he tried. He really tried. All the reports are that he tried to get Russell Wilson and he was willing to trade the farm for Russell Wilson. And I do feel bad for the guy because not getting Russell Wilson means that he had to settle for Andy Dalton. And since Ryan Pace has been the GM, that means his quarterback acquisitions have included Mike Glennon, Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, and now Andy Dalton. Surely this is the nail in the coffin in Ryan Pace's Chicago career. And I feel bad for him because Russell Wilson could have been the guy to save his job, but maybe Russell Wilson, maybe Russell Wilson listened to our podcast last week and said, nah, screw Ryan Pace. Let's get him out of the league. <laughs> yeah. That dude's a cockroach. I don't want to go play in Chicago. Never mind. Exactly. Said, cold. Yeah, you're right. It's cold there. One other quick thing that I thought was amusing is they signed Andy Dalton and the Bears Super Bowl odds actually dropped. And previously, they didn't have any quarterbacks under contract. So I love that the Bears actually <laughs> added a quarterback and that their odds fantastic. of winning. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, man, 
I feel That's bad great. for Chicago fans. My best friend lives in Chicago. I've gotten to know some Bears fans through him, mm. and they're all miserable, and I feel for them. Now, the Taysom Hill contract extension, oh, my gosh. Each year we think that this is the year the Saints are finally going to have to pay the toll for all their salary cap manipulation that they do. And each mm. Each year, they're able to find a way out of it to delay the inevitable. And that, I have never seen a contract like Taysom Hill's before. Basically, to not get the details with it, but Taysom Hill, in terms of his cash, he's going to, it doesn't change anything for him. This is strictly right. for the New Orleans Saints to manipulate their cap, their, their cap space for the upcoming season. Hey, for Taysom Hill, he's still going to make the same money he's going to make. Good, good right. for him. And as you mentioned, it really is. It's going to be a quarterback competition. It's going to be whoever wins the job this season. And golly, it may be the most frustrating battle we see. We could have Jameis Winston. We could have Jameis start. Jameis. And then he has a five interception game in the second game of the season. And <clears throat> Sean Payton loses his mind and goes with Taysom Hill. And then that Taysom Hill, funny. Taysom Hill passes for under a hundred yards in his third start. And they're like, well, he can't win this way and go back to Winston. So that is, there are some people doing best ball drafts that are drafting both. And for best ball, sure. Draft both of them. But in redraft, if you're trying to figure out which guy to draft, just avoid them. It's going to be, yeah. It's going to be a mess. Now, I, I want, just have a couple oh, of yeah. super flex leagues where I've got Jameis as like a third quarterback, fourth quarter. So I'm like, hey, I'll see it. I just never bought into the Taysom thing. So I have nothing. Yeah, I don't have him rostered anywhere. So if he doesn't pan out, I'm okay with that. And if he does pan out, frankly, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. But I do have a little bit of Jameis Winston rostered. So if there is some sort of problem with with Taysom and Jameis ends up start if Jameis ends up winning the job then sorry I thought I heard my kid again <laughs> now I don't hear anything anyway he had an Jameis, opinion he had an opinion on this you can probably listen to see did. if he was going to say Jameis or Taysom and that was probably going to decide yeah. whether you disown him or not right <laughs> he's in there like Taysom <laughs> but Jameis, he wins that job. I'm going to be happy because I got him on a couple of rosters. So, and then, oh, okay. After that, I'm assuming you want to get into a little bit of Watson discussion yes. yourself. And I quickly went through the other two quarterback situations because I wanted to take just a little bit of time with Deshaun Watson. First off, the sexual assault allegations. Even though it is allegations, I sit there as an uncle to two preteen girls. I've got a toddler niece and both of my sisters are currently pregnant. I've got one other niece on the way next month and another one in July. I've got five nieces and I grew up with two sisters, no brothers. I've always been surrounded by women. So I'm a little passionate about this because if these are true, oh, my, my blood will boil on this one. And, and I hope for like, for the people coming forward with this, better be legit it better not be the stupid like trying to get money like and i don't want to scare away people from coming forward with this but i know you're a family man i've got yeah. so many young girls that like i'm very protective over so i see this news and i'm like oh this like 
I, ooh, I have to really kind of hold my tongue on this, but I'm like, it, it sickens me when things yes, like because, this happen. Sorry, real quick, because I, I had started somewhere with, with him and then not finished because my, my thought was at the beginning, that's, I, I did question, okay, is this true? We're going to have to wait and see. And, but now you get to 22 allegations. Man, I'd be awfully, awfully surprised if some of this shit wasn't true, because that's more of a pet. Now, it, it it's also this lawyer sounds very shady from everything I've read. So who knows if there's something to that? It, all I know is it's a crazy situation. We'll have to wait and see. But if there is really 22 females that have made accusations, I'd find it hard to believe he's innocent. Yeah, the the odds, the odds there are not in Watson's favor. And as tough as it is on that, I'm going to try and focus strictly on just fantasy and dynasty football takes on this one. Mm. Let's say for Watson, best case scenario is he ends up being innocent. Charges are dropped. What does this mean? What should we expect in 2021? What should we do in fantasy and dynasty? I want to take us back four years ago, the Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott. He was involved in a somewhat similar situation. There was some uh, sexual assault allegations as well that didn't, if memory serves correctly, like the charges were dropped or something like he didn't get in any legal trouble. However, the NFL kind of has this weird rule where even if you don't get in legal trouble, they can still suspend you. And Ezekiel uh, Elliott was suspended for six games. It was Tony Pollard's season. Or no, 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 no. Sorry, mistaken. Pollard wasn't with the Cowboys at that time. But when you were preparing for redraft, you had to prepare for the possibility of a suspension. And that uh, suspension actually happened. And I think best case scenario for Watson is going to be that he will be suspended six games. So in dynasty football, if you're the Watson owner, you need to do whatever you can to get Tyrod Taylor. Uh, well, I mean, don't go and throw high draft picks, but you need to have, you need to have a backup plan. And that may be to get what's who's currently the backup Houston Texans quarterback. I know Tyrod Taylor is not a sexy name to acquire. And that may be to your benefit because Tyrod Taylor, he was the starter initially with the Chargers last season before um, that very strange injury with the lungs being punctured mm. Taylor for fantasy football when he's played he's a dual threat quarterback so even though he's not the best thrower of the football he could put up some fantasy points and in dynasty Very you true. may be able to get them pretty cheap and that's not mm. a bad plan to have in case things go south or even if things go well for Deshaun Watson you're gonna have to prepare to miss him for half the season in dynasty depending on what your moral system is, you are definitely going to be able to get Deshaun Watson at a discount because of this news, because people are, people are either going to be very patient, wait this out, or people are going to freak out and sell, sell Watson for whatever they can get. There is a buying window for him. I could tell you that me personally, based off how I started this conversation, I'm not going for Deshaun Watson because I don't know how I'd be able to continue playing in a dynasty league if I went 
and acquired a player that if he turns out to be guilty for what the allegations are for him. Now, what does this mean for an NFL trade? Just real quick, I before these allegations, I never thought he was going to get traded. Uh, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense. There's no financial relief for the Texans. Uh, they have him under contract for multiple seasons. It's not like they could risk him walking away from the team in the offseason and signing somewhere else. So I do believe the Texans are set up to play the, the long ball game. And with the sexual assault allegations, I believe that makes the uh, NFL trade impossible. Who's going to possibly risk the draft assets and everything? Like what happens if he right. is guilty? Like you trade multiple first round picks and everything. And then oh, I don't know what the penalty is. Does that mean that he's out of the NFL? I'm not as familiar with what happens when he's guilty of these allegations, right. but it just doesn't seem to be a risk that teams should be taking. No. I agree. I agree. All right. We'll take a quick break and get and with Watson. I guess one last thing is because of everything going on and the uncertainty and all of that, I'm personally going to be one of the ones selling him. Now I'm going to try not to do it at too much of a discount, but people may only offer as much as they're going to offer if they're super smart. And so <clears throat> It'll have to come down to one of those decisions. Do I take what I can get or just hold? And for me, morals is a big problem for me. I remember last season, I had a couple of leagues where I picked Darius Geis very early in drafts. Soon as that shit came out about him, cut him. And every league I had him, like, okay, we're done. We're done here. And partly because of my morals, and but partly to be honest, because I'm like, oh, this dude, I'd be surprised if he's ever relevant again. Maybe someday he works his way back into the NFL, but relevant again, I, I can't see it. And <clears throat> this is a different position, it's the quarterback that tends to make a difference. It shouldn't, but it tends to make a difference in football. The more valuable you are to a team, the more you can get away with, it would seem. And so there is good reason, if you can get past the, the ethical aspect of it, there is a reason to hold Deshaun Watson, because if he gets through this and still has a job, he's going to be fantasy magic again. And so mm, it's a conundrum. But um, with that being said, we'll go ahead, take a break. Love your thoughts on everything. Speaking of thoughts, we'll come back with our final ones right after this quick break. Okay, okay, okay. We head in to the final segment, our final thoughts on free agency, kind of wrapping it all up. You got Jacoby Brissett going to back up Tua in Miami. That's an interesting one. And then some, some other interesting tight end signings, Gerald Everett to Seattle, Gerald, Gerald. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm sorry, Aaron. I don't know what I have some of these nights when I do my other podcast, the miscellaneous debris podcast, which you can check 
out anywhere you find this one. Thank you very much. Hosted by me, of course. And sometimes I, I, I get into, the, I just have an off pod where there's just a lot of the tongue twisting and things like that. I often have a train wreck uh, soundbite that I like to play during, during that, just to show whatever train wreck I'm, I'm being on the pod. But anyway, so apologies for all the, all the blah, blah, blah. So Jared Cook, not Gerald, Jared Cook to the Chargers, Kyle Rudolph to the Giants, Josh Oliver was traded to Baltimore so some interesting stuff there. I, I mean, maybe this is bad news for Donald Parham, the the Gerald Cook signing. Um, but uh, I don't know. Cook's getting older, man. As is Ru- Rudolph, but I could see him, um, you know, not being quite out of juice yet. And then Josh Oliver is interesting. Baltimore seems to like their multiple tight ends. Um, they seem to be much better when they had another worthy tight end next to um, Mark Andrews. And so maybe that's what they're looking for. But really, to me, Gerald Everett is the one. I really like this signing. Russ likes a good tight end. We've seen guys like Jacob Hollister become relevant. Why not Gerald Everett, a guy as talented as him? And, you know, they've been looking for another receiver. They don't need Antonio Brown or anybody like that. No, no, no. Keep your DK Metcalf, your Tyler Lockett. You can keep David Moore in there. And hey, hey, just roll some Gerald Everett. So that's the one I kind of like the most out of the tight end signings. And I do like Brissett in Miami as well, by the way. So thoughts, Mr. Aaron? Well, I have an interesting one with Kyle Rudolph. Because before, when, when he had first signed his contract there. It was before the Galladay news. And, and I, I was reflecting uh, on the signing. I was like, what does this mean for Evan Ingram? Because the contract for Kyle Rudolph, it, it's a decent amount of money. It's, it's a two-year, $14 million deal. It's like, my right. goodness, that's a, that's a decent investment in a tight end, especially because the Giants did not have a bunch of cap room to play around with. And, and I kind of convinced myself that, okay, what the signing means is Rudolph's going to be your, your traditional tight end and the Giants will utilize Evan Ingram in the slot because Evan Ingram was a, a receiver in, in college. He's, he, that's mm. what he really plays as in, in the NFL. He's, he's an overgrown uh, wide receiver. But then when they signed Galladay, I, I remembered last year that they, the Giants were shopping Evan Ingram do believe that it will probably be closer to the NFL draft. It may be during the NFL draft. We occasionally see a veteran player or two get traded during the draft. I believe the Giants are preparing themselves to move on from Evan Ingram. But they've realized that the performance, the performance isn't what they would like. There's been some injury concerns. Hey, you've got Kyle Rudolph now. You signed Kenny Galladay to a big money contract. They got to clear up some space somehow. Evan Ingram may be on his way out. Mm. Gerald Everett to Seattle. I, I like this. As as you yeah. as you mentioned, like Russell Wilson loves a good tight end to throw the ball to, even if he was forcing it to Greg Olson last year. The the Seahawks, the, when they have a pass catching tight end, they do utilize him. They do have him run a lot of routes, and you. You talked about Jacob Hollister. 
you're right, in 2019, Jacob Hollister was number 12, number 12 among tight ends in fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. In the 12-team league, that means he was putting up tight end one numbers. Now, of course, you weren't comfortable starting him for most of the season, but Gerald Everett is much better than Jacob Hollister, and they do play very similar roles. These are pass-catching tight ends. You're not signing Gerald Everett to go and block people. You're not. Everett's, uh, he's a bit undersized. And his role with the Rams in his career, he's he's been a pass catcher. Tyler Higby was in uh, blocking more often than, than Everett. Everett was pretty efficient in the receiving game. The only issue he had last season was a case of the drops. He mm-hmm. kept dropping a lot of passes there. But we see drops fluctuate from year to year. I'm mm-hmm. never concerned with drops. If someone is willing to sell a player because of drops, I'm there buying. So in Dynasty, it's an interesting player to, to at least gauge owners and to see where, what their thoughts are. But the difficult thing is with him signing in Seattle, especially $6 million, that's a decent amount of money. You probably missed your window to buy him. And mm. if you own him, you, you want to ride this one out. You want to see what he oh, does. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you want to. This is what you've been waiting. If you've had him since he was a rookie, this is what you've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. For Jared Cook, ah, he's an aging tight end. I'm not really interested in aging tight ends. It, he was barely playing. He was barely playing fifty percent of the snaps. What does this mean for Donald Parham? Oh, we're probably we're probably looking at the same Red's role. Yeah, he's he's going to be what he was last year. Like they'll probably bring him in as they get closer to the end zone and throw some end zone passes to him. He he'll have some plays they that it looks looks cool because he's a six foot eight tight end, but he only weighs 240 pounds. He's low BMI. He is still an intriguing stash, but the Cook signing that tells a lot about what the Chargers think about Parham. And that is he's not a starter. Um, right in, in dynasty you did miss your window to sell them there was a very brief window I, but also right. i don't know if people were really buying donald parham if you own them, if you own parham you might as well keep them you don't want to drop them like there there's too much there's intriguing athleticism with this guy and i mm-hmm. love athletic tight ends and you never know what will happen with tight ends maybe jared cook gets hurt and then that's going to thrust donald parham into a role it is his second season with the chargers so he should know the playbook a little bit better well it's a new right. coaching staff but he should be better as an nfl player uh, on that so Correct. if you own parham it's one of those sad players you're keeping at the end of your bench now josh oliver getting traded to baltimore this is an interesting player in that we've forgotten about him he was a third round nfl draft pick in 2019 he only played four games his rookie season and put up a stat line of three catches for 15 yards and no touchdowns. There was some initial excitement last offseason in Jacksonville because they brought in Tyler Eifert, but Oliver was the second year tight end. Very athletic, very athletic. And we talk about it. We love athleticism. Athleticism. See, I'm getting tongue tied now athleticism with tight ends <laughs> it's contagious it's ah. contagious i've caught it but unfortunately an injury in the offseason before the preseason had occurred his season was over so right two-year career he hasn't done anything 
it's in your dynasty leagues, he may have been dropped already. Right. So if you don't have much tight end depth, he's free right now. You can go mm-hmm. pick him up. An interesting correlation, that, or not a correlation, but an interesting thing that I found about Josh Oliver is that if you go to player profiler, one of the things I like that they do is they have a best comparable comp for players. And Josh mm-hmm. Oliver's is Hayden Hurst, of course, the former Baltimore Ravens tight end that they drafted in the first round between oh. DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley in the NFL draft. I learned that from the Josh Larkey Codebreaker podcast that came out this week. Now, in 2019, when the Ravens were just killing everybody, they utilized multiple tight ends. Mark Andrews, of course, was the notable one, the one that was fantasy relevant, but Hayden Hurst had a very solid season, and Nick mm-hmm. Boyle did the dirty work. He was the blocker of, of the trio. You fast forward to 2020, the Ravens moved on from Hayden Hurst. They still had Mark Andrews doing Mark Andrews things. Nick Boyle was still blocking, but he got hurt. At, at one point, they were throwing out Eric Tomlinson, they had they signed they were signing tight ends off the street and and they were having to play because the ravens offense utilizes three tight ends so Mm -hmm. the ravens they value tight ends in their offense a lot more than other teams mark andrews is going to be a free agent this next offseason oliver it's it's a dart throw it's a dart throw but if oliver is able to show something in his third season if he's able to put his injury behind him and get on track. He's got athleticism. He's in an offense that utilizes tight ends. Mark Andrews, there's no telling how much he's going to cost if John U. Smith signed for four years at 50 million. Mark Andrews may have priced his way out of Baltimore. And then that means Oliver would be the top receiving threat in the Ravens offense at tight end. I like it. I like it. So you're telling me? There's a chance. There's a chance. It's a dart throw. It's a dart throw. I may be <laughs> painting too much of an optimistic picture there, but I always like going through these situations and saying, can a player, does he have a path to fantasy relevance? Exactly. And I, and I do believe that there's a chance. Probably not this season. It's just more of you got to watch what he's going to do in his limited opportunities. Is he going to be efficient with his opportunities? Does he, does he produce enough? in those opportunities where the coaching staff goes, you know what, Mark Andrews, we can't really replace him, but at least we got a talented young guy that may be able to do some things. Right. Correctamundo. I love it, man. I love it. All right. Well, that's about all I've got. If you've got anything else, I don't know if you have anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this tea party up. Well, I got one more player I want to mention. Just one more. He's not a free agent yet. But the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at their tight end position, they re-signed Rob Gronkowski to a one-year $8 million deal. They're paying Cameron Brait $6.25 million this season. And then there's a forgotten tight end, O.J. Howard, the former Mm -hmm. first-round pick in 2017, that he's owed $6 million this season. People forget about how he started this season. He played in four games. He had two top 10 tight end performances, despite his snap share being 56.1%. That was was his highest snap share in any of those four games. He was only playing half the snaps. 
and yet he was putting up some top performances there. There are some inconsistencies there, but that was mainly due to, to the time he was having to split with two other tight ends. Now, mm -hmm. unfortunately, he tore his Achilles this season. Week four, it ended his season, and the year before, everybody in the fantasy community was high on O.J. Howard in 2019. A lot of times he was going as tight end six in fantasy football drafts. Right. Despite people going, Bruce Arians' offense doesn't target, it doesn't involve tight ends, and he did have that. a dud performance. He, he was a bust in 2019. He tore his Achilles this past season. So have two lost seasons. We just talked about this with Josh Oliver. Two lost mm. seasons, people will forget about things. But there's two stats, two advanced stats that stood out to me about O.J. Howard. One is one of my favorite advanced stats is yards per route run. I love the stat for wide receivers. I love the stat for tight ends involved in the passing game. O.J. Howard averaged 2.48 yards per route run in 2020. Yes, it was only four games, but there was only two tight ends that averaged more yards per route run. One was George Kittle. The other was Travis Kelsey. That mm. is great company to be a part of. Fuck yeah. The other stat that stood out to me is his 16% hog rate. Hog rate takes into account two stats. One is your targets. The other is the routes that you run. So it's targets over route run. If you're running routes, the more targets you get, it's, it shows just how, how involved these tight ends are in the offense. OJ Howard, he was only running about 13 to 16 routes per game, but he had some games where he was targeted six times despite running like 16 routes. Man, they wanted to get the ball in his hands. And there was only three tight ends that had a higher hog rate in 2020. One is Travis Kelsey. Obviously, mm -hmm. the season he had was unbelievable. The other right. two, Jordan Reed. We forget about Jordan Reed, but Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Reed. The other one was Anthony Ferkser of the Tennessee Titans. So hmm. OJ Howard is involved in the passing game. He was extremely efficient when he got opportunities. And I don't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers spending 6 million plus on three separate tight ends. I believe right. they can move on from them, especially with the Achilles tear. So he's a tight end that you may want to get now because if someone else goes and gets him that may need a tight end, say, an Indianapolis Colts team, mm. that would be enticing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Okay. Let's go ahead and end this fucking tea party. Aaron, my man, thank you for joining and helping me with this show. Much appreciated, sir. I bow down. I bow down. Veriana. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a blast. I love talking yes, just fantasy football. So thank you for the invite to Dynasty Wonderland. Yes, sir. Anytime as always. And we don't just talk fantasy football. We're going to be talking some pro graps, as the kids say these days. You know, the pro professional wrestling. We're talking that for a few minutes. And we're not like uh, uh, what happened on Monday Night Raw this week. No, nothing like that. We're just going to be bullshitting about the love of wrestling, what we've been watching, things like that. After the outro music, if you'd like to listen to that, feel free to stick around. Other than that, yes. Any final words, my good sir, Aaron? Oh, no, I'm ready to 
talk some pro wrestling. So let us get to the outro. Let us get to it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Don't forget to check our social, AaronStew09, me at RMK Madness. Check us out on the Twitters and for me, the gram, if you will. As always, much love to you all. Stay safe, stay vigilant, stay mad. Have a great, great week from the Mad Chatter and the March Hair Pin. Until next pod, ta-ta for now. Latest!